Hey, it's Todd Perry, co-host of Allison and Todd After Hours on Patreon. And I'm biased, but the show's up there with my favorite Allison Rosen podcast. Top three, at least. Why? Because of the fun topics. We've already discussed getting caught having sex, perverted teppanyaki chefs, filling yourself, Gen Z slang, slay, why Allison needs Ben Gay, astrology, the Adam Carolla show, hip pastors, a fight we had with a prominent politician, backhanded compliments, death, and why German men sit when they pee. Like, well, I can't stand in peace. So he thought it was like sort of showing off as if I'd be like, oh, bite my fist. Like, man, I wish I could do that. Start now and get two shows a month for just two bucks at patreon.com slash Allison and Todd. Not sure if you're ready to subscribe? Check out hours of free previews at patreon.com slash Allison and Todd. Allison with one L, Todd with one D. Thank you to Poise for sponsoring today's episode. Learn more at poise.com. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I'm here in my studio with someone that it's been far too long since I've been in person with. He is a comedian. He is a commentator. He is a former game show host. He, uh, once again, damn it. It's Ben Glebe. Put your hands together for Ben Glebe. <laughs> I was just revisiting our last episode and I spent far too long talking about how I'd lost my ability to do intros. You probably, you probably <laughs> blocked this. I know. I do actually remember that. It was, I was listening and I'm like, this is what you're going to put out, Allison. This is what you're considering compelling podcasting. Yeah, once it was, it you was joined, for me. I know. But once you joined the show, it was, it's, it began to sing. It, it started flying. Exactly. I love that. Yeah. And then you're proud of what you put out. I was proud of it, but I wasn't proud of how long I spent decrying my inability to do an intro because I couldn't, I was like, I I couldn't remember, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it again now. <laughs> now you're going to decry your regret over talking exactly. about your ability to do intros, which I don't know if that's better or worse. It at least seems more layered. It's more nuanced, but it's just as, it's like more navel gazy too. Mm-hmm. Um, it probably could be studied in a college class. You yep, know, it's yep. self it's so self-referential. Uh, it's like post-postmodernism. But anyway, yeah, I, I was like, does the name come first? Do, do the credits come first? But anyway, I so I yep. fucked it up again. Sort of like when you're like, don't call them this, don't call them this, and then you call them this. It's true. I, I psyched myself out. But anyway, I want everyone to know, you're one of the founders of the Nowhere Club, or the founder. Yeah, Nowhere Comedy. Uh, I It was my idea, and then I co-founded it with Steve Hofstetter, yeah. and then now I run it solo. The best virtual comedy club that, I feel like you invented virtual comedy first clubs. At, at first, and, and, and we were the first, and some think we're the best. I'd like to think so. I think we're the only one that really is still yeah. rolling. So we, we're going to get into all of that, because you have a show coming up on October 28th. Guys, you're going to want to block off October 28th on your calendar. Also, your YouTube special we're now, it's a little, it's, it came out a little over a year ago. It's called The Mad King. You're a lead anchor on The Young Turks. You've done it all. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and I, you, ran for, you ran for president. I did. I was on a whole episode of your podcast talking yeah. about that years ago. Wearing a suit. Wearing a suit. My God. Some rules you feel like you want to play. When, 
when you're real out of the box as a as a candidate, I think those things help legitimize you. Mm. But also, it felt very silly going into places where I would normally never do that, right? Dressed that way, and but you know, there's video, there's photos, yeah. and so you also you don't want to be caught with your pants down, quite literally. Yeah, as but, a candidate. And now my eyes are riveted to your neck. Thank you. Chest, my, chest, my, my neck. plunging neckline. Yeah, exactly. Because now you're like. Your necklace guy. You've got. You've got. <laughs> I change a lot too much, probably. You've got a jack that would go like. Is that a guitar jack? What's happening? Yeah, you got a key. It's a quarter inch uh, adapter uh-huh. for a headphones, mini headphone plug oh. to a board, and it's functional. You can literally in a pinch use this. Wow! And now so I could go right into your Zoom recorder right there. Oh my god! I mean, it, it won't. I'm not going to mess up. Here, yeah, but it could. But here I'm going to put it right in the back of this thing. It's please do like it. This. Boom. And well, that no, has an adapter yeah, in it, but I, yes, get I get, point. I totally do. Um, now, what's the significance of that? I'm a comedian and a broadcaster, and this is, there's not a lot of necklaces that I was able to find that represent right. that to me yeah. and the ability. So I love that it's like a functional thing and represents microphones. And what's the key? This was just given like, to this me. Is my, this is my key. No, <laughs> yes, I'm a latchkey key. It was given to me last night. It says living on it. It's a giving key. Mm. Uh, and it's just about, you know, life's for the living. And a friend of mine who had someone dear to her pass away recently gave it to me. And I had my father pass away recently. And and so this was given to me last night. And uh, any other necklaces you'd like well, to dive into? I mean, I feel like I'm talking to Busy Phillips here, noted <laughs> necklace stack woman. Well I, well, I just came back from Burning Man, and I wore oh, these, these at the burn. Okay, and I don't want to take them off, and I might be wearing them like all the time. I really like the vibe of it, like yeah. as much as, as I can radically express myself, as much as I can be out of the box these days. That's what I want to do. I'm tired of playing by anybody's rules. I'm not of, wearing a suit in here ever again. No, you're not. You're tired of the man's boot on your neck don't rise while we burn the man can you explain burning man to me because i don't i both don't get it and i don't quite know what it is but like i have a sense yes i can thank you ben glebe but i'm gonna explain it and you're gonna get what i'm saying and you're still gonna say you're not gonna want to go and it's gonna hurt my feelings but i'll do it anyway i don't have to say that if you don't want no i mean i want you to speak your truth okay okay uh it's unlike anything on planet earth it's not a festival. It's a life experience that is just unparalleled. There's nothing similar to it. It's like the Disneyland electrical parade meets Mad Max. If you were living in like a post-apocalyptic future, but a positive, really interesting one, it's like it literally feels like living on another planet for a week. Um, and if on that planet there were humans, but humanity evolved completely differently. It you know it's a mixture of radical self reliance with a gifting economy. There is no money. There is no trade. There is no barter. There is nothing of that nature. It's joyous. People greet you with a hug and like a warm hug. Um, people are dressed so interestingly and amazingly and attractively and and it's just you express yourself in the freest way. You do. There's every sort of interest you have. Every subculture. There's incredible activations and experiences that created by the community that just pop up. So they say the playa provides like magical coincidences and things happen. It is a crazy party, no doubt, but also it's crazy community. It's wonderful community. It's very spiritual. They build a temple every year and you go there and have these like somber, amazing 
moments of honoring your deceased loved ones. You can put a, a shrine up to them there or something meaningful there. And then on the last night, they burn the temple, and that's incredibly powerful. And what powerful. is the, the symbolism of, of the burning of that? And is of that the burning the, of the temple? And is that the burning of the man? No, the burning of the oh, man is a big party. That's the second to oh, last night. And that's what pe- so most people burning. think is the yeah. last. There's some burning. So, burning so much play. burning. A lot of yeah. burning. Yeah, I don't know that it's great for your lungs, but you're pretty far from the burns right. until the embers happen. Then you can okay. go lay in the embers or walk through them. But not lay in, but you can right. lay next to it. I took mm-hmm. a nap next to the temple embers. But um, So wait, what's the significance of the man burns? That's that literally phrase. like and it is burning the, the man. It's like, oh, like it's, it's, it's the, the normal society, okay. the default world, the establishment. And it's like we're doing it completely differently and not following those mm-hmm. rules. And it's a big party. Until and then, Tuesday when until we go back Tuesday. to our rules. Yeah. Although I've been back about two weeks and I have not. Yeah, no, the necklaces I cannot, are The necklaces force. are there. Yeah. You know, uh, I refuse to get a haircut. I, uh, it's not true. I'll get one soon. Your hair is not that long. Thank you. I don't know if that's a compliment, if, but thank you. It's, it's an observation. Right. But it's I mean, benign observation. Is there such a thing? I think there is. Yeah, I think so. I mean, look, if this were the 50s, you'd be like a goddamn long hair. Yeah. I'm just saying someone listening might, you refusing to cut your hair, they might think that you're yeah, like no. someone from the musical hair. Right. No, it's, it's, I could make this look corporate if I yeah. needed to ish. Mm-hmm. And then, um, the temple burn is just like, it's trying to move past whatever emotions you're stuck in with that difficult and traumatic experience and trying to let go of whatever you've been negatively holding on to. Like not that you'd let go of your memories of the person, mm-hmm. but just kind of whatever has been like, keeping you down from that it's like releasing it and letting it out and and um it's just very cathartic and uh, maybe hard to explain way but all of this sounds like something i would like but right. i have it in my head that burning man is something i wouldn't like right does it have a negative do you feel like the rep if you're aware of what the reputation of it is i've invited you on my show to talk for the entire time about burning man <laughs> um do you feel like the reputation is different than what it truly is? Oh, 100%. Because everybody has this negative connotation yeah. that's never been. I did too. I was like, Burning Man, that hippie thing where you go right. and you just do drugs and party all week. And, yeah. And you're in the dust and you get filthy and everybody's filthy, you know, shower. I'm like, mm-hmm. that sounds terrible. And it, and my sense was that it had this very like uncomfortable, debauched feeling, which maybe it does. Debauched. Is that a conjugation of debauchery? Yeah. Uh, uncomfortable, debauched? Like, Explain that. Like, um, everyone here is engaging in experimental drugs and experimental sex, and it's just like, this is like a Dionysian kind of, like, out of control. If that were the case, I would be much more of an advocate. <laughs> um, no, that's not the case. I mean, there is that. Like I said, there's every subculture. There right. is an orgy dome you can go to. I I did not go to it. You had to have a, if you're a man, you have to have a partner with you. And so I wasn't, wouldn't have even, even been let in. I did bike by it and I saw that and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't bike by it on purpose. Don't judge me. And I don't believe, I don't, I don't judge you, but I don't believe I just believe stumbled you. upon it, truly did. Sure. I did. So you stumbled upon an orgy in the desert, the fly up the vibes, okay? <laughs> it's an orgy dome. Yeah. It's tented. You need, you get ID'd on the way in. It's like mm-hmm. very, and, and so anyway, I did not go, I've not been in it in any of my three burns, but, um, no, there's definitely people are very, you know, free and there's a lot of people walking around naked. I had dinner and I looked down, there's dude was naked and he had his penis decorated wearing a hat and he had googly eyes on it. And I didn't oh need God. to see that, especially during a meal. Did not need any of that. But it's also normal and like nobody's thrown off by it, which is 
unusual. Where was the hat? I don't hat? think I saw any vaginas either. I only saw a couple penises. Doesn't that seem like well, I always kind of the did. way? Yeah, it is the way. Dudes seem to be more comfortable being naked. Yeah. But then after the chapel burned, not the temple, the chapel Jesus after the Christ, burn. Jesus Christ, burning there. <laughs> I was then at the embers of the chapel and just taking it in and it's really cool. And then there were all these people completely naked dancing by the embers and you know, it's cold at night, but not near embers of a fire. Right. And there was this beautiful girl that was dancing by them. Naked? And naked, fully naked, with like a scarf around herself, like mm-hmm. like, like in a movie, like right. the character you like sure. start falling in love yeah. with, you know? And She's like, played by Kate Hudson, probably. 100%, yep. And I got her name, and but I'm like fully clothed with a backpack mm-hmm. on and all this stuff, and or my, 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 my satchel, rather, and... I tried to keep talking, but it felt very awkward to keep talking to her right. when I was clothed. And it was the first time maybe in history, like with only one of the rare situations to make it less awkward in front of a girl. I had to pull my dick out. <laughs> I had to get, Did you I, actually I got it? fully naked and danced by the fire with these people. She's like, yeah, Ben, now you're getting in the vibe. And I'm like, I fit in here. <laughs> and then she told me she had two boyfriends and we all got dressed and drove our bikes to some other parties together as a group. But it was cool. Wait, She's very nice. Just is she part of a throuple? What's happening? No, separate boyfriends. Separate, okay, and are you I keep hearing a lot of this lately? People with multiple boyfriend, two boyfriends, and the and the, it, so they're just like polygamous, polyamorous, polyamorous. Yes, I sound like an old. I sound like a fusty old lady not knowing <laughs> all this. Fusty. Um, and then yeah, yeah, but but there's everything. There's there's children there. There's family friendly things okay. there's incredible art there's food that people give you there's miso soup there's there's that they just hand out to you yeah, there's, how's there's the, tea if you can if, if if money is not good there how does everyone eat and drink and stuff like that well the camps just provide these things as a gift oh, as, as to, part of your ticket price no no people just bring it and provide it oh. ticket price got nothing to do with any of that but then you also just bring your own food. Okay. Or if you're part of a camp, you also can, you're part of a meal plan if you're paying for your camp. So there's this, not concession legendary stands camp, or anything. Zeros. You cannot yeah. buy anything. And um, you're surviving in the desert in very extreme conditions. And this year, especially if you heard about mm-hmm. the floods, it was pretty yeah. crazy, but it was very extreme conditions. But, um, you know, I was part of this legendary camp called Robot Heart. It was an amazing time. And we had a meal program, two meals a day. And you get, and then you chip in and you work shifts and you help prepare the meals, mm-hmm. you know, a couple of times throughout the week. And, and then everybody gets to enjoy this Who great food. Who puts this on? Well, each of the individual camps literally build like their oh. own town, like their own infrastructure. Like it's not cheap to stay in a lot of these camps. And then they use the money and they pull in. They literally like bring in generators and lift trucks and build trucks. And you sign up for build week or for strike week and you help break down or build up your camp. I spent three days breaking down my camp this time, a couple hours each time. And, um, and you just, people create this very elaborate infrastructure. It's a very proud of it and create art cars that then provide parties out in the playa mm-hmm. and dances and all kinds of crazy things. And, and I, I, you know, it's very tech heavy, techno heavy, rather very house music heavy. Mm-hmm. I don't care particularly about, house music or djs or dancing that much mm-hmm. i do it when i'm there a bit because it's fun and that's where the girls are mm-hmm. um but uh i do it for all the other i love the random experiences um uh i i love that i stumbled upon a diner in the middle of the desert and you go in there and there were like dudes with beards with wearing aprons pretending like they were 70 year old crotchety old lady waitresses at a diner and they would like come and talk shit to you and then you would order coffee. They give you hot coffee and you order the beef and they all, they all gather around you and go like, 
ding dong, you ordered the beef. Ding ding dong, you ordered the beef. And it's like weird rituals they do, and then no matter what you order in the menu, they serve everybody hot grilled cheese. But it's just like such a unique experience, like this diner they just built in the middle of nowhere. And I also this burn, I was the first comedian in Burning Man history, as far as we were able to to, to find out that headlined Burning Man. Oh, you, you performed, performed there. That's so cool. And so they created P- Pineapple Motel, this other awesome camp, which is one of these necklaces, too. After the performance, the founder of the mm. camp put it on my neck. and this is Ben is holding up skin. something that, that bears no resemblance to a pineapple no, or a back. hotel. Look at the back. Are there pineapples pineapple on skin. there? Just pineapple skin. Oh, okay. Cool. And then this is the spot where the playa is topographically okay. on the map. I take it back. <laughs> and, uh, but the, it was the most surreal way to ever perform they set up a rug in the middle of a circle of seven art cars that were like a hundred feet away. And there was like a thousand people surrounding me. I was in the round sitting there on the floor standing and then people on art cars standing above them out in the desert by the trash fence. And normally you perform by a trash fence, your career is going very poorly. Right. But this was the opposite. That's awesome. Um, So you're going to go? I mean, you're very dirty. You get very dusty. You can shower though. If you're in a camp that has hot showers, you can shower. Did yours have hot showers? Yep. Did Robot Monkey, what was it? Robot, Robot Heart? Heart. Or Pineapple Hotel? Motel. Whatever. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm I'm very intrigued. It sounds like stepping into like a giant role-playing thing, it even though I've never like role-played. You get to apply a name. Yeah. Everybody gets kind of assigned and, you know, you find your name. It gets given to you by somebody. Is there cell service out there? Nope. Which is the best part of it. There mm. are occasionally, very sporadically, you'll get service for a second. You can like text your mom, you're okay. But- Pretty much there's no service. Some camps have, some people have Starlinks and have Wi-Fi now, which didn't used to be the case. And you're on e-bikes, you're like zipping around, but generally you're disconnected for the whole time and it was magical. That's the best part, really. I have two more questions, then we can move on. Sure. Where were the googly eyes and where was the hat on his penis? <laughs> yeah. I so need to picture like, it. There was like a scrunchie oh, that was, looked, that was like, supposed to be the hat. And the googly eyes were on his balls i'm pretty sure i didn't oh my god this is so different than i expected oh really i was thinking like okay here's his penis balls down here you know and like the hat would be on the top the hat was on the top and the eyes right below like on his shaft yeah maybe the eyes were on the shaft i really can't remember yeah you just know that you saw googly eyes i saw googly eyes i made fun of it in a friendly way that he laughed and i averted my eyes as quickly as possible and then my other question did you have some epiphanies, realizations, awarenesses, awakenings. Yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to integrate my experience. You know, there's a big, it's a thing you do decompressions after Burning Man and you try to like, and I took a couple of days in Tahoe and I've been trying to take the week and a half since here. And I don't exactly, I haven't processed it all yet. But yeah, I mean, just basically some of my during and post awakenings are like i don't want to chase anything anymore mm-hmm. it's i want to be in flow it's flow not chase it's something that keeps popping in my head um i just don't want to not express myself anymore so like i called a friend out on something during the burn that i wanted that was on my mind that i wanted to call her out on um that i would, would have normally not done i would have just internalized it mm-hmm. um can you tell me like what kind of thing it was it was just something a little bit insensitive. Mm. I think that I don't think she was thinking she was doing that. Mm. But then when I explained it, she was like, wow, I didn't realize that it was insensitive to you. And I'm so, really sorry. And I think we're, gonna, we we're well. closer from it. But even but even even if it hadn't been that way, I, I don't want to live not in my truth anymore mm. in, in, in any way, wherever I can. 
Um, so things like that, I think, came out of it. Um, just that I, you know, want to focus more on finding my tribe of people that are like very accepting and wanting to hang with me at all times. And again, they're also not trying to chase just whatever's in flow. And like, I really like a lot of the vibe, a lot of people who are burners, they're very welcoming. They're very complimentary. They're very warm. They're very affectionate. They're very loving people. And you don't really experience that level of that in life normally. And I'd like carrying that vibe on post burn as much as possible. So I've been hanging a lot. Unfortunately, it means I have to go to Venice a bunch. <laughs> That where they all I are? Not Venice and Topanga, and they're both very far. Of course, that's where they are. Yep. I have a couple that's friends only, in Venice as well. I've never known anyone who lived in Topanga, but I do enjoy Inn of the Seventh Ray. Have you been to this no, restaurant? No. It is like magical, mystical, expensive. Um, the food is. <sighs> the last couple times we've gone, it's so pretty. It's like twinkly lights. People have weddings there. Oh, wow. It's very Topanga, though. It is. It's so Topanga. Yeah that um, I commented to Daniel that I had seen, a, so we were sitting outside and I saw like a mouse dart by. And then this woman like stood at a different table was like, I hope you're not bothered by a mouse. This is their land after all. Like, <laughs> like a land attribution for the mouse. Yep. Um, but anyway, yeah, like uh, those are very inconvenient locations. They are. I used, to, I used to really avoid going to Venice at all costs. Someone's mm-hmm. like, this is the best thing ever. Venice. I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> Didn't ever want to go to Venice. I believe I tweeted in the past. It's, and I believe it to be true. It's faster sometimes to fly to New York than drive <laughs> to Venice. You can it's go true. clear across country. Yeah. I mean, it's just terrible sometimes, but I've been going, I've been to Venice like seven, eight times in the last like month. So I've, I guess I, you know, I don't have a choice and I don't know who I am anymore. I don't recognize myself. No, now you're someone who goes to like, how's the parking? In Venice? Yeah. I've actually had a good parking flow really? recently and right. I used to hate it there, but I think I'm more connected to like the vibe of it. Venice into your heart. I guess so. Cause you're I'm like, finding parking easy. Wow. Wildly. When you least chase it, the parking comes to you. They say that's in the secret, right? The parking is so. a big part of the yes. secret. Yes. Oh my God. I if the law, it was. If the law of attraction would be, is about parking, I would be into it. Part I of would, it is. They talk about that in the secret, literally wait, about parking. For real? They talk about parking. I thought you were a lot. joking. No, they really do. And I and I and I understand why that is because I do largely believe in the law of attraction and parking, especially, is something that works for it because there's no one who's willing against it. Like, there's always going to be people that have to leave where they're right. parked and people that are coming, and so you just need to like connect to like, oh, someone's going to be leaving when I pull up and believe that and then it happens more likely mm. but you ever like get in your own head and you're like there's not going to be parking when i get there and yeah. then of course there's not parking there because you're in this like shitty mood that's really all the law of attraction i think is it's just not willing yourself out of right remember when i used to be funny <laughs> i used to have an edge and now i'm just so accepting and wa- warm towards everybody <sighs> this is a good show for that though because i'm into like emotional truths and all that that. stuff but you know what i was sitting here debating whether to share or not sitting here debating whether to share that like this thing of like there's never going to be parking i recently have had to learn to practice zen while being extremely constipated Uh (laughs) and i won't go into detail i mean that seems like a lot of the detail already what yeah i know there but just this feeling of like what if this never happens for me what if this is the rest of my life? Um, never going to the restroom again is what you're saying. Yeah. Or like never, I can't, 
Ben, I don't, I don't get the vibe that you like to talk about scatological things. You're incredibly spot on with that. Yeah. So I'm not going to go on, but, but listeners, if you, if you want to hear more of what I'm talking about, let me know. I think, <laughs> I think there's like a, just a, a universal, like, no, yep. no one wants to hear it. Yep. It's like, I don't, well, the reason, main reason I don't like it is I just, aside from it makes me slightly uncomfortable, but people really, they, it's what you just said, they don't like it. Like, yeah. I see comedians do it and they think it's great, but every time they do, I see and I feel the audience go like, mm-hmm. I don't want to ever create that feeling in somebody. Right. I want people to be joyous and laughing and fun or offended mm-hmm. or thrown off. Right. But I don't want people to be grossed out by yeah. anything I say. I don't see the purpose. That's fair. But if it's something that's, that's it's my, it's my passion. Driven, it's, but <laughs> if talking about discussing things is my passion. I don't want to inhibit your passion. Like if it's something that actually has a purpose to you to say, I, I can handle it. And I've gotten better at it. No, Getting a dog necessary. has made it better for oh, me. Yeah. Like I used to have a hard ban in my home with even like my partners in the past using the P word when it comes to referencing even the dog's bowel movements. And I still don't. Really? Prefer, I call it number two. Okay. And I prefer it to be referred to that way. Mm-hmm. We'd be on a walk. She'd be like, did you go at P word? And I'm like, oh, why am I have to hear that word What's while so funny walking is, every day, twice a day? I thought the P word was going to be pussy or no, penis. No, It's the, now for you, and I'm not going to say it. Sure. I'm going to spell Thank it. Thank you. Sure. Is the P word P-O-O or P-O-O-P? God, I hate both. Okay. Hate both. Or P-O-O-P-Y? P-O-O dash P-O-O. Oh, all of them. When you have a kid, you learn Can't all the terms. Can't stand okay. all of them. Interesting. So number they, they two. They got progressively worse the way you, the, that list there. Interesting. Um, number two. Number two is what you call it. And like it. I can still do the things I have to do. I still wipe my dog after walks, but I just don't need to talk about it if it's not necessary. It's like. You, you wipe know, your dog? I do. I, because he has, sometimes he has a little bit of an issue and he has to be a little mm. bit wiped. Okay. I got somehow very lucky the first three years of his life because there was never an accident that we right. saw, but then all of a sudden there was. And. I had then wiped since, and there's need to do it oftentimes, mm-hmm. and and I can't believe that the first three years we didn't do it. So we give him a quick wipe, you know. Yeah. I I don't want to say we, I do. So it's like a toilet paper or like a baby wipe situation. Dog wipes. They have dog wipes. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like I've led a charmed life. <laughs> you have. Um, you're giving your dog baby wipes. What a lucky. She's led a like charmed even... life. No, on occasion, on occasion there will be a need to do a little wiping, but oftentimes it's like from her fur. Right. Um, and then I think it's been like a baby wipe or a wet paper towel or something. Mm-hmm. But knock on wood, it hasn't been a regular thing. How is Henry Horse? He's doing good. He's doing really good. He had like a hot spot in his arm for a long mm-hmm. time that I couldn't get out for like two, three months. He was wearing a cone oh, and a soft cone. And then I don't know why the vet didn't even like know this or like barely like softly suggested it after like desperation. There's a sleeve you can get that just goes around oh. their torso and it just covers the one arm. And that was the best solution. It was comfortable. And I just had that on for the last bunch of time and now it's healed finally. Good. He got it off himself. He's an escape artist. He somehow escaped from his own sleeve that you can't escape from. Henry I mean, Houdini horse. He really is. He's a Houdini horse, 100p. <laughs> not not the other. Not, no, I know. Yep. And uh, <laughs> and and he's, he's doing good. How is your dog doing? Wendy? Wendy. She's good. She's nine. Um, how old is Henry? Turning six in January. Okay. January. Uh, January. Jan- January. You know what's funny? Do you have an age in your head that you think you are? Like when you're not thinking about it? Yeah. Like for the long, for, I don't, I don't even know how old I was. Way older than 24. But I realized like inside my default age that I think I am, and I don't know if this is the case anymore, but like for a while it was 24. Mm. 
sometimes I think to myself, is Wendy six or nine? In my brain, she's six, mm-hmm. uh, the age your dog is, but she's actually nine. She has a heart condition, which is very common in Cavaliers. Huh. Um, she's doing okay, though, but uh, but I don't like that she's nine. She seems a little uh, slower she is. than she was last mm-hmm. time I was here, even a year ago. Because it used to be a tiny little source of anxiety how much... Wendy would like jump up on me with with like scratches and I'm like, oh, I'm is, sorry. No, no, it's all good. But I was just always a little bit like, is she at some point going to like maybe bite me? And then today she jumped up a little, but mm-hmm. it was very, it was, yeah. it was not intimidating anymore. Right. Um, a year ago was Zoom. So I think it was, it was many it was? more years ago. Yeah. Oh, so it must've been a few years yeah. ago. Uh, well, I'll tell you, she's never, she's never bitten anyone ever. Oh, that's nice. She does not bite at all. That's nice. You could I, you could take her food away while she's eating. That's nice. But I was bitten terribly by a dog recently, and so for the first time, I'm like a tiny little drop skittish. Got it. I feel bad now. I was bitten in the penis and balls. I do need to hear what happened, but I yeah. just I just want to just say I'm I feel healed, bad. Man. I'm healed. That that I feel bad. Don't that, worry, ladies. I feel bad that Wendy's. A lot of people saying better than ever down there. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. No, it's like an improvement, right? Held on and pulled and made a lengthen thing. Yeah. Well, I feel bad that Wendy made you feel skittish. Oh no, no, I don't mean majorly, but just a little bit. Like as I walked up right now, I just thought, like, I'm gonna probably deal with Wendy scratching at me a little bit. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's it is. I'm still happy to come because years ago I was a guest on a famous podcaster's podcast. I'll tell you off air. Sure. And he had a giant dog, giant dog. Mm-hmm. And I remember this dog just jumped up and just its nails just went boop mm-hmm. and it like drew blood. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting there talking to him afterwards, all like cheery, but thinking like, my hands really hurt. Damn. And with big, see, you and I both have littlish dogs. Yep. Um, and it's true. Like littlish dogs can get away with so much more. But like if you have a big, big dog, if it jumps up, they can knock someone over. Oh, 100. So, yeah. I've been pushed against the wall by pit bulls a couple of mm-hmm. times, and it's not it's fun. scary. And they and the owner's like, hey, they're playing. I'm like, I'm being pushed against the wall yeah. by a human-sized, aggressive creature. Right. You might think it's playing, and they might, but I do not. But I just want to say one more time, I do feel really bad, though, because like we could so easily put Wendy in her crate if you, next time you come. Now now I'm good. No, I'm good. It was nice Um, to see Wendy now. What uh, what happened with the dog that bit you recently? I went back to this lady's place, this girl's place. Mm, In Venice? No. Oh. No. But this probably wouldn't have happened in Venice. No, the dogs are so chill there. So chill. (laughs) Yeah, they're all on ayahuasca over there. Yeah. Uh, they're purging in the corner. I was gonna say. I was just gonna say. They're throwing up, <laughs> sweating. Um, I went. It was actually a couple, just two and a half weeks after my dad died. I was invited out to go drinking, and I'm like, I need this. Sounds like the right time to go out for the first time. Got a little drunk, had an edible or two. Mm. Went back to this girl's house, and this girl to have sex, to do all whatever might happen. You know what right. I mean? But we'd been seeing each other, so. It was very likely that could have happened. Okay. But earlier that day, I was like, I don't want to go over. I don't want to spend the night there because I don't want your dog to bite me. Like yeah. the dog was that kind of like intense. Mm-hmm. And then she let the dog out of the upstairs bedroom where he'd been kept all night. And he just sprinted downstairs into the kitchen where I was like leaned up against the counter, dove into the air, didn't make eye contact with the dog, didn't say hi to the dog, dove into the air, latched onto my dick and balls. I had to throw him off of me. Oh my God. And because I, I thought was, you were joking that that's where he bit you. Nope. 
Oh my God. And because I was a bit drunk, I didn't even know I was bit for like a minute. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, a minute later, I was like, ow, what is that? And I went and looked and there was blood everywhere. Oh my God. She had to take me to the ER. Oh my God. She didn't even think it was that serious. I think because she maybe did want to have sex and uh. wanted to keep keep things going downtown in Chinatown. And so her gay best friend who- Is that how they say sex now? That's how I refer to it. Okay. And people always have an issue with it, but I think it makes very clear what I'm talking about. They have an issue like they're confused or they just feel like it might be problematic? I don't think it's a problematic issue. I just think they're confused. Like why Chinatown? I don't know why either, but I just like But she's rhymes. not Asian. She's not Asian. Okay. I just feel like going downtown clearly kind of connotes sex, but I yeah. like adding the rhyme to it. Right. Going downtown to Chinatown, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't you just, you feel you that just winked at me. I just winked at you, yep. <laughs> okay, I understand. And you get it now? <laughs> now I get it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she's like, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. And I'm like, can I, I called for her gay best friend to come into the room. Oh, because there was a man there. Because mm-hmm, he has the same equipment. The same equipment. Assess. And he looked at it and he was like, this is a problem. You got to go to the doctor. So I went to the ER and uh, I'm all healed now. And Did they have to do stitches? A lot of people stitches? say it's improved. It's like an 11 now out of 10. Mm-hmm. Um, stitches? What happened? No, they, they said it's a very hard area to stitch typically. So I just had to like treat it myself and dress the wound like twice a day for like 10 days. And then it healed great. Thank God. Luckily, the, air, the part of the, that was bitten on the shaft part mm, where the where the googly eyes go right was covered by googly eyes <laughs> and so i'm fine now um no it was it was uh, that was more superficial than, than, than the deeper puncture was on the testicles which luckily is a very wrinkly area that would be very hard to see any sort of scar anyway and so that you don't see anything there's nothing wrong no more did you know a lot of people say i've won the award for the best situation down there that they've ever seen oh, a lot of people are saying that covers magazines and the, stuff the, what is it called Ball, the, ball of the, the year. Bali? Ball, the ball, ball of the year. The ball of the year. The Bali Awards. Congrats. They take it takes place in, 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 in Bali. Is where the, oh, okay. You, you that travel. makes sense. Yeah. Have balls will travel. Mm-hmm. And Bali. what is the award? That's just a round. It's hard to keep on a shelf. <laughs> it's round and a little mushy, but it's round. Oh, they should get a stand for it. Or like well, just a hand. A hand a for hand. it. It'll be perfect. A, a hand on a stand. Hand, a hand on a stand for your... <laughs> for your Bali. For your balls to the wall. Or just go balls to the wall and nail yes. it up there. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Way to go. You're, an idea, you're an idea factory. You are, too. We are an idea factory. We not, we're two factories of ideas. That's right. Competing. <laughs> for best ball award design. You already... You already you're a There's shoo-in your killer now. dog scratching at the door right now. I just heard it. Was there a scratch? I, I think, think so. it was me making sound here, but... Oh, okay. I, but clearly you've developed a bit of a phobia. No, it's fine. Makes sense. Now, what was this? Me. I don't give a shit. What? Again, I know that you're going to file this under bullshit that owners say because of your experience. But I swear to God, Wendy has never even snarled or bared her teeth. Like I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. I've always just felt, if, I hope you're not offended by my, my speaking honestly, but no, I I always, I've always felt a little bit like Wendy like has a little bit of a crazy look in her eye. Oh, she does. Because so she's got one eye that's off. a little yeah, bit like so it's just a little bit. I'm like, I'm not relating exactly to like... I can't tell if this dog likes me or mm. does thinks I'm an intruder. I always have a little right. bit of that sense from Wendy. Yes. And so that's, I guess, the main source of the... And then also then she comes and jumps up. And mm-hmm. it's not like she wants me to like... I think I've tried to pet her head and she kind of doesn't like it or so. Yeah. So I just feel like it's, you know, I know. there's a creature there that's just, you know, uncertain about my presence in the yes. room. Yes. And I'm, I'm just reassured... She's uncertain about everyone's presence in the room. And then she comes down and then she likes to be pet. Um, I'm just reassuring you... She's. I've never even seen her snarl or anything. Like she really is the most docile. Great to know. Um. Yes. Look up Cavalier King Charles Spaniels. They're like that's like their main thing is that they ha- they are like not aggressive at all. I'm not gonna look it. Up. I was gonna take your word for it. 
a demand. Okay. Google it right now. <laughs> Wait, so what was this gal's, the one that you wanted to go to downtown to Chinatown yeah. with? Or that she wanted to. What was her reaction? It's her dog. Yeah. Um, was she like, Google I mean, the breed? I swear to God. No, she was, a, she was a mixture of very apologetic and mortified, but also like joking about it too much for the next yeah. couple of weeks. And I was like, can you maybe let me set the joke tone mm-hmm. of my own recovery process here? Like at the ER, she said to the doctor, like just chimes in. She's in the ER room with me and says to the doctor, like, so how long until we can, you know, do 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 the business again? I'm like, is this the question? Like, right. can I can I ask that? How long, doctor? Mm, yeah. Uh, but oh, I mean, we've she got was two very tickets sweet. in Chinatown. <laughs> the next day, she went and got me all kinds of like dressings and and things, and so I could properly sanitize and distilled water because I googled that that was helpful, and then I mm. never used it because yeah. it's easier in the shower, and I just gambled, you know. Mm. A lot of people saying I'm winning awards for the best recovery, right? A lot of people have been com- making that comment off, off, off air. A lot of championship spirit. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah. <sighs> but has her dog ever done this before? Her dog has bitten a couple of people. So mostly yes. when the person's drunk. So for some reason the dog senses alcohol mm-hmm. and doesn't enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know how the dog it's knows. Amazing. Dogs in rehab. Is this a big time. dog or a small dog? It's a French bulldog. They're tiny, but pudgy tiny and very heavy. Yeah. Like this dog jumped up, and I was like, it was like the weight of like nineteen footballs to get this dog off of me. Right? They're pudgy. I don't, I don't, I don't like them. I don't find them attractive. Mm. I don't get the point. People love them to have them. They're very popular right now. They're like, yeah, and they make these snarling noises, and they can mm. barely breathe, and they snore. It's yeah. like I don't understand. It's like it's like adopting Norm from Cheers as your dog. I feel that way about English bulldogs. I don't even know the difference. They're just a they, so. Where is a Frenchie? Norm from Cheers is a nice guy. Norm mixed with Cliff's demeanor and Norm's kind okay, of body yeah. stoutness. An English bulldog is like even more slobbery and smush faced. Like like Hooch, like Turner and Hooch. I don't remember what Hooch looks like. Google it right now. I will. Uh, uh, okay, I'm just gonna search Hooch. Do you think it'll come up if I do that? Hooch no, dog. Go Turner and Hooch, or her Hooch dog would work. I'm googling right now. French Cavalier. <laughs> no, English Bulldog. English. No, the French Cavalier. You said for oh, me to Cavalier look up. King Charles Spaniel. Cavalier yeah. King Charles, known for their aggressive nature. Oh my God, that's not true. I lied about that completely. Oh, I accidentally typed Hooch dot dog, and that did not. Pull Hooch dot dog. Yeah, I accidentally typed that. Oh, you know what? No, that looks like a mastiff, actually. Um, a mastiff mistake to own. Okay, I'm gonna pull up English bulldog. This is. It. Oh, jeez. That's they're even more. That doesn't look like hooch. Hooch looks different. Yeah, I think I think hooch is. Well, let's just find out. Let's just. What kind of dog was hooch? Turner and hooch. Oh, oh yeah. a dog de Bordeaux. I've never heard of this I would, dog. I, I could have told you that if Americans you me. became aware of the dog de Bordeaux when he appeared as drooling, messy hooch in the 1989 Tom Hanks film Turner mm, and Hooch. A lot of slobber from that dog. Yeah. Is hooch a French mastiff? Is a question someone asked. So anyway. Um, okay. I'd like to apologize for my Mastiff pun a little bit earlier. If you guys play back Allison's reaction, she gave me the I absolute bare minimum you could ever respond to somebody's pun. You literally went, hmm. 
It was like you had to respond with something and you wanted me to know you hated it. No, I liked it though. You did? No, I just, I look, apparently I'm not very expressive. You, you're expressive sometimes. I know. So I don't right know there. why I gave you so I little. Know. <laughs> what am I being accused? Apparently I'm not very expressive. We'll be right back. I mean, they're all over the map with expression. You just hated my pun. And I'm known as the Ponderful Wizard of Ha-Ha's. Of so, Ha's? Of Ha-Ha's. Oh my God. Who calls you that? The Mad Ones? The mad ones call me that. That's your fanship. Yep. The ponderful wizard of ha-has? Correct. Now, is that said earnestly or is that, I mean, I get that you make puns and you're funny, but is that like, does everyone kind of laugh at how silly that name is? Yeah. I mean, it's a okay. title that I came up with okay. on my other show at SDSC and that was kind of like the precursor to Nowhere that I host monthly with Jody Sweeten and, um, and Chris Bowers and Rachel Gallagher and, uh, and I won pun con. We would do puns a lot. I would have mm. a very pun heavy game we do on the show. And then I won a pun contest against the Punisher, one of our fans, Jeremy Day, part of the Isolation Nation. So it was Punisher versus the Ponderful Wizard of mm. Ahaz. And I won. And so, I mean, they don't like refer to me that way, like as nomenclature if they see me. Right. But I'm known as that. Got it. And they probably mock it behind closed doors. No. I, I don't, don't think so. I don't know. I don't think so. Listen, I got. They also call me the. Vintage lady with the tiny hands, you know? The vintage lady with the tiny hands? You're damn right. Explain. Well, I started having these vintage ladies, these like figurines I had. And I would like put on camera in, in place of myself sometimes. And I also had those like tiny plastic hands you put on one finger. Yeah. And I would like put those up into frame as though it was my hands. Early in the pandemic when I went from presidential candidate to prop comic. Because <laughs> I wanted to do a complete 180 and I just needed like levity in my life. Yeah. And I was being very silly and I was having a lot of fun with props. And there were three other hosts, so I get got to like you know, sit back and just figure out weird prop mm -hmm. things. And then I just thought it'd be very funny to like sometimes introduce myself at virtual shows as the vintage lady with the tiny hands, because what, what a silly thing for a man to introduce himself as. What are these vintage ladies you have? They're really cool. I wish I could like find a photo easily of, of one, but they're really cool vintage ladies. They're like from 1940 or something. Um, are they dolls? They are little like plastic figurines. But it's really hard to like explain what. Oh, there it is. Found a picture of one right there. What this did you type? My, this is one of my vintage ladies. Oh, okay. I put vintage lady literally in my camera roll search because I screenshot a text exchange with someone who referred to it and it came right up. Mm. Do you see them now? Are you, yeah, like I'm them? trying to explain. Let me made see her in again. Japan. They have slightly Japanese faces, maybe. But they're lovely. So yeah, it is. It's like a figurine. What is this? Like six inches high, or five, or four? Like three, three inches, three okay. and a half inches. A little like some refer to it as eight and say it's the best ever, though. <laughs> After the dog bite, <laughs> correct? Um, yes. So I would say it's like a little molded plastic. Is it plastic or is it plastic. like porcelain? Okay, plastic. Like a little, yeah. And she's wearing like a smart forties looking outfit. Yep. And I sometimes even sell these at my shows to just for the diehard fans that know. You see all the playa dust inside my phone still? I, I didn't. Out. Oh, wow. Yeah. I got to get that out of there. Um, wait, you sell them at your shows because you, you have that many or you get more? I have a, a good number of them. Why do you have And them? I sell them for a pretty high price point because they're collectible yeah. and they're already a vintage item. Plus, they have the, you know, the lore of, of all of our comedy. Right. And so I just... I don't want they, to get rid of them really, and so I don't mind being a high price point. I mean, it's not inaccessible of a price point. What is the price point? $75. What do you think of that price point? I feel like that price point says this is an heirloom. Yeah, that's yeah. what I want it to be. 
why do you I don't have... want people getting it that don't even know what it is or right. don't value it. Mm. I did have one fan buy two to make earrings out of them. Wow. So there's that. Why do you have so many vintage ladies? I had just purchased them at a store once, a vintage toy store many times, and I bought like a couple dozen of them. And what was the plan, though? I just like them. I, I like collecting weird random things. Mm-hmm. I have them on my desk behind me, and it just seemed fun to have a collection of like very obviously vintage ladies. <laughs> and, you know, I've, I've, I've bowled at them a couple of times with like a little rubber ball. Oh. There's a lot of things you could do with them. And are they all dressed differently? They're all dressed exactly the same. Their oh faces, my God. though, are a little bit different. So they look well, like a cool. troop of like, sometimes I've had like them against army soldiers mm-hmm. set up on the table. But sometimes yeah, they're like lady G.I. Joes. The, the faces can be a little deformed sometimes. They're like lady G.I. Joes, right? But not green. Are G.I. Joes all green? G.I. Joes, I think, are all. No. No, I'm thinking of little army men. There's also men. beige one. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm thinking, little, I've been little army men too, is what I meant to say. Going against them. Right. Well, no, I've, I've, you... I've had them face up against dinosaur figurines. Who wins? Oh, the ladies win. Oh, good. They're, they're not I like that. Yeah. I like that. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. And strength in numbers. This episode of Alison Rosen is your new best friend is brought to you by Poise Ultra Thins. One thing I know for sure is that when you're a new mom, you'll take all the help and advice you can get. I could have used some advice about what to do about postpartum bladder leakage and also partum. Is that the right word? The bladder leakage that happens while you're pregnant. Uh, I know everyone's the, the joke is like when you, you got to cross your legs when you sneeze. I found actually coughing was a little more um, uh, messy, I'm going to say. <clears throat> and that actually continued. That that has continued. Just a little bit of TMI, but no big deal because I have poise ultra thins. Uh, I learned the hard way that period pads are not designed to help with bladder leaks. Poise ultra thins are, though. They're essential They're specifically designed for bladder leakage. They keep you 10 times drier than the leading period pad. Poise Ultra Thins keep you feeling clean, dry, and fresh and offer with and without wings to flex with your body. Poise helps me make the most out of every day. It takes poise. Learn more at poise.com. And I also want to talk to you guys about BetterHelp. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking? Do your thoughts start racing right before bed or at any other inopportune moments? Uh, I feel like my brain never takes a break. It's, it's always going. It turns out one great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to talk them through. Therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. Uh, You guys know I am a big fan of therapy. It has helped me immensely. I recommend it for everyone who's open to it and even people who aren't open to it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash best friend today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, better com slash best friend. Okay. The last time we talked, yep. you were engaged. Correct. What happened? It's uh, a good question. Uh, we're no longer engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not because we got married the other way. We went the right, other way. right. 
Uh, you, now you're just boyfriend, girlfriend. <laughs> correct. And hopefully soon, first date. Um, and then you'll meet. Yeah, oh, that would be great to undo. But eventually, um, you will not know her. Correct. Well, I'm pretty close to that already. <laughs> I mean, I definitely don't know her already, so there's that. But um, You guys have been together for a long time. And have. I want everyone to know, I asked ahead of time if it's okay that I ask about this. I don't want people to think I'm just being yep. an asshole. Yep. And I said, it's no problem. And then I also didn't realize that I don't have clearly in my head, like what things I want to say or don't, but it's mm. okay. I don't really care. Um, I don't think I've been treated particularly nicely. And so I don't mind. I'm not trying to, you know, talk any trash, but just speaking my own emotional truth without naming names, I think is fine to do. Um, I just think we started falling. We started drifting apart. We started not seeing things eye to eye. We went to therapy that didn't work. I think she gave up on the idea of continuing therapy mm. I think more than anything, um, when we got engaged, she thought that like some of my personality and or behaviors would change mm. and that I would like settle down and like, oh, now I'm an engaged man. I'm going to be married right. soon. And, she, and maybe she wanted more of a standard issue husband and I was not becoming that. Mm -hmm. And I think she's like, oh, well, then maybe I don't want this. And I don't know why she thought that. Mm -hmm. it's, an, it's a ridiculous thought, I think, but- I'm sure but, some people do. Yeah, I mean, there are people who get married thinking it's going to solve problems, have kids right. thinking it's going to solve always problems. A pro always a problem. It always makes it worse, yeah. Always I makes think. it worse. And so, uh, you know, and um, I was not perfect by any stretch. I I regret some of the things that I said and did, but um, it was, none of it was ever done maliciously. None of it was ever done with a bad intent. And I'm just a flawed person like anyone and I think the thing that is hardest for me looking back on it is I feel as though I was really there for her during her hard times mm. and, and emotional needs. And I feel like she did not reciprocate that for me. Now, are you talking about since you broke up? No, no, before. Okay, before. Yeah, I mean, she broke up with me instead of being there for me when I needed her. Oh, so it was in the midst of when you needed yeah. her. And yeah. yeah, just at a low moment for myself. And I think she was like, I don't want this. And mm. I was like, well, wow, I proposed to you after helping you through quite a lot of difficult things and so um i felt i feel pretty you know slighted by that yeah plus beyond that the thing that makes me you know i'm probably phrasing some things now more starkly than i have a couple times i mentioned talked about this on other podcasts is because the new development that just makes me just have no fucks left to give about this topic is when my father passed away she did not reach out to me in, oh, wow. in any respect, mm. not even an email, not even right. like a two line email saying, I'm so sorry about what happened. I mean, to me, it's such an unconscionable, unfathomable, pretty despicable thing. Mm. For, to, you know, he was a dad to her essentially for years and years. And How long so, did you guys been together? Four and a half years, mm. lived with me for three, three and a half years. Right. And I just can't believe that yeah i'm a pretty forgiving person you know i hang out in venice now i'm very right forgiving yeah you're you're going with the flow you're going not chasing. with the flow i'm not chasing right. but i just can't understand that and i'm trying to even have grace there and i understand that it's probably not out of hate or mm -hmm. true rudeness that she doesn't didn't reach out i think she is probably weak and feels as though she just can't reopen any wounds with me and doesn't think she's strong enough to be there for me at a time like that or anything but i just still think you get over it and mm -hmm. something like that when it's right. life and death when the person i think i probably meant more to her than anybody 
you know, outside of her family in the course of those years. She wanted to spend her life with me. Mm-hmm. We ended things not out of any sort of real animus, just it was a realization it didn't work. We were talking about still trying to work it out at the very, very end. Mm-hmm. And then she just decided really not to. And then she kind of thought I did. So even though I believe, I feel as it feels like she left, she expressed in our limited communications afterward that she thought I, in the end, abandoned the idea of not working it through, mm. which is, I don't think, quite accurate, but she saw it that way. Um, and so with when you were considering even still working it out to not reach out, it just yeah. doesn't make sense. And it's is there any way she really hurtful? You know that she knows. For yeah, sure. unfortunately, she even handled that poorly because I emailed her to tell her the news. I'm like, I figured you'd like to know this fact. You should know this fact. And the next day, her mom texted my mom like a very generic text. Like, we, w- we wanted to express our condolences for your loss. We found Nate to be very funny and nice. Mm. Blank family. Mm-hmm. And signed the text on behalf of the family. As, oh, maybe as, she feels as like As though that. that covered it. Right. When in fact, it's just the absolute opposite. Yeah. In my eyes, at least, it shows that she knew mm-hmm. and it shows that she thought that was okay and that she couldn't, as an adult human that wanted to marry another human being and wanted to merge lives with them and maybe be a mother herself and all these things, couldn't even handle a condolence message to right. the love of her life that she put it um, directly to me or even, and I even realized subsequently, or even to my mom. Yeah. Text my mom yourself, but know any of that. And my mom even wrote right back to her mom and said, thank you so much for this message. This is so incredibly difficult. We're stunned. You know, my dad died suddenly and didn't even write back to that. Like not even like a second text back. Mm. So it just seemed like they were just going through a motion of like, we have to acknowledge this so that right. maybe he doesn't reach out again. I mean, it's just wild to me. Yeah. Oh, wild. I'm really sorry. Thanks. I'm really sorry. Thanks. It's, you know, it's, it's but. That but, was, go ahead. I'm just glad in, in in the end that even though that was the most deeply hurtful thing I've literally ever experienced in my life. And mm-hmm. I thought at a time of such sadness and difficulty to make me have to think about her also and mm-hmm. to make me have to be extra sad about how she treated me in that moment yeah. was pretty incredibly wrong to do and hurtful. But the positive is that it completely made me realize without a shadow of a doubt that it was the right decision and that I dodged a bullet by getting out of that relationship because how could I be with someone that could be so emotionally cold? I don't understand. Had you been a little uncertain before that? Like, were you thinking, Oh, maybe I should. A little. I mean, it was very hard for me to get out of the breakup. And you know, the, the last six months of my dad's life, the first five months of that was my dad and mom, like counseling me every day on the phone. Like I was in therapy, but also like my parents were every detail helping me work through it. And I was Mm -hmm. crying all the time and it was very hard breakup for Mm -hmm. me. And so then the last month I finally got over it and my dad got to see me happy again, becoming happy again. So that was very good. Um, but yeah, I think until that last month, right? I, and, and probably, you know, you never know if, if this didn't happen that, that way at the very end, somebody came running back and apologizing for major things. And so they did work and mm. realized this and that, you know, obviously I love the person very much and was very invested in her. And so, I probably would have considered it, but I would never consider it now. Mm. How could you ever trust somebody or 
rely on somebody emotionally who literally couldn't be there for you in the most basic, tiny little way. Yeah. That every enemy of, I'd I'd literally, people haven't spoken to in years, made amends, came to the funeral, Mm -hmm. were so kind, sent food, did offered to do anything they could. Fans of mine, people I don't know, wrote me whole letters and to have someone that was the love of my life not send a one-line email saying, I'm so sorry about what happened is just mind boggling. Yeah. It's a really like, is one of the things also that I like needed to process. And like, I don't know how to, I just, the biggest negative of it really for me, aside from a lot of lost time. And by the way, if any of your listeners are interested in a great engagement ring, <laughs> emerald cut. Oh, wow. Lab made, mm-hmm. not a blood diamond. Mm-hmm. Uh, how really nice. 2.69 carats. Wow. F that is a rock. E clarity, Damn. near perfect diamond. It's a solitaire, an emerald solitaire? I don't know that word. About uh, it. I, is it just one diamond? One diamond solitaire. What, what color yes. metal? Uh, a platinum band. Sounds beautiful. It's beautiful, simple, incredible ring. I paid $6,000 for it. I will let it go for four or three. How should they get in touch with you? Years should they want to, back. to buy your DM your... me on Instagram? I, 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 I'm looking okay. to sell it. So and are I'd you like at Ben Glebe on Instagram? At Ben Glebe on Instagram, okay. guys. But let's let's move this ring. Let's move it. Best just, offer. I'll I'll take best offer. I've been spending too it's much time beautiful. on TikTok lately. Um, I got it wholesale for that price. This ring would literally sell at Robbins Brothers or a normal ring yeah. place for like twelve to seventeen thousand dollars. You get a I should have considered, or we should have considered, Daniel and I should have considered a lab-grown diamond. Mm-hmm. I don't know why we did. Like, I feel like they've gotten more popular of late. And they're identical. Yeah, and, I know. And you can, for the same amount of money, no you can one, get something. And no one dies to make it. Right. So there's that. I think it's a pretty important But I think factor. mine has a great history of all the conflict and the death, <laughs> you know? And I carry that with me. Um, <laughs> Into your marriage. <laughs> I said, I want to start this union with this on our on our <laughs> can only go up from here. Yeah, exactly. Um or down and up again. I watched your eulogy which you oh. had uploaded. So I laughed. Um I was moved. So beautiful. Thanks. Really I I just, you know, you know cuz we talked about it. Um my dad died. I'm so sorry about Thank your you. dad's passing as well. Thank you. Are um, you how are you doing? You know, I'm okay. I'm surprised at how okay I am in a way like I had therapy yesterday and I said that I feel to use a word again but not attached to the p word I feel like emotionally constipated right now mm-hmm. um you know when I first found out I felt like it there was a few hours where I was aware that like this has not hit me yet mm-hmm. like a huge wave of sadness is headed towards me but I, it's not here yet, and I almost want to like outrun it. Like this all feels very not real yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I felt sad, and then, and now I just like, it's like there's this frost or numbness over my emotions about it. Like little things will kind of. Like I, I saw a shirt online today and I was like, oh, my dad had a shirt like that. And then I felt like a tiny bit of like the tectonics kind of move. I am someone who usually is very in touch with my feelings. So it is weird that I can't really access them right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Did you get your, your, your some, some crying out of the way? After yeah. This oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was expressing all of it right away. It's right. not like I haven't. It's not like I've been frozen the whole time. Um. 
But, you know, I think at the beginning, I was like, even though I had spent, and by the way, thank you for letting me talk about this when I want to talk about your dad. Um, I spent the last, so he had a heart attack um, 11 months before he died. And we all got the sense that like, oh, his health is much more precarious than we realized when we didn't know how much time there was left. So even though it still was a surprise when he actually died, the timing of it was a surprise. And my mom had gotten his cardiologist on the phone and his cardiologist had reassured her. Reassured her. her. You told me that. Yeah. That he was going to be fine. I feel angry about that. Yeah. Like very angry, even though my dad's quality of life had diminished. So had she insisted that he go to the hospital had they i don't i don't think they could have even done anything but even if they could have bought a little more time i don't know that that's really would have been the best thing because i just i kind of just feel like it was just his time right um and i had made an effort to go spend more time with him over the last year and i'm like really glad i did that really glad i did that i had a really good conversation with him two weeks before he died where Um, was he at my at at the oh where did he die? No, where in the oh Orange County or oh yeah okay pretty close that's good yeah um but immediately after he died I was like all those years I spent feeling angry about things I regret that like I allowed mm. my own resentment and my own anger to like create distance between him and me even though it was never. It was never bad between us, but I just had my own shit I was working out in therapy regarding my, you know, upbringing and stuff. So, but I regretted that. And I think I, all, all I was focused on was like all the good qualities about him. Mm-hmm. And then I think. Uh, when? After he died. Right. Um, And I was like, it's amazing. The anger is totally gone. I wonder if this is just a phase. Mm-hmm. And then I think, you know, some time passed and then I, I was like, oh, wait. Now I'm getting upset about something from my childhood. Now I like the pendulum is shifting a little bit. And I think I think the numbness I'm feeling right now is just trying to assimilate all of it. Try which I had tried to assimilate all of it while he was alive, but it's like a new level of assimilation when the person's not there anymore. Mm-hmm. So just trying to make sense of like who was he? What was our relationship? How can I hold at the same time, the fact that like he was so funny and he could make you feel so seen and heard me, at least he made me feel those things. And I love him so much. And I got so much of who I am from him. And he was my dad with like, but also there was a lot, you know, he was really like volatile when I was growing up and he made me feel bad about myself. Um, and I don't like I don't like that feeling. Mm-hmm. Not all the time, but mm-hmm. sometimes he had you know whatever. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Where are you with everything? Well, 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 let me just say like I think that's very normal to have those conflicted feelings. Thank you. You know, I've definitely feels had some of that. It's confusing for sure, and you don't feel like you should have like negative feelings after someone's gone, but then they creep in, and you feel like you're maybe are you being a bad person to have I feel those guilty. Thoughts. You I feel, feel guilty. guilty. Um. You know, I feel more guilty. How, how am I doing? Is I, I'm doing pretty good overall. It was very. It's been a very hard five months. Um, but there are times where I feel numb and I 
can like shut it out because mm-hmm. you have to. You can't yeah. for five months not function. Right. And then there's still times where all of a sudden I'll see a picture of him or a thought or memory and I'll start crying a little bit and it hits you in that way. Um, I have not been feeling angry toward him. The things I've been trying to deal with are how much I felt angry toward him during his life and how I like did not hold back in expressing that. And that has been hard a little bit. But I, I talk about this on stage a little bit too in my new hour about how I'm really, I've tried to let go of that and I mostly am letting go of it. There are a few moments I certainly regret, but mostly I'm letting go because I just think it's the nature of parent-child relationships. Yeah, They just have an ability to get under our skin and vice versa more than anyone for obvious reasons. They created us, they're the closest people to us, we're dependent on them, mm. but they know our vulnerabilities and I just think it's the nature of it. The joke I say on stage is that I've made peace with it really because even if my dad like somehow miraculously came back to life and it would be the most incredible miracle and we would be like tears of joy and wouldn't be able to believe our eyes. I still don't know if we'd make it two hours without some kind of, <laughs> some kind of fight with some kind of argument coming yeah. up. And so I just think it's kind of the nature of it. But um, it's been interesting because also – my mom, you know, loved him so much, but also had a very conflicted mm. relationship with him. And and he was not always easy to live with, too. And so, and she's not somebody who really expresses a lot to people outside of the family. And now all of a sudden, the family's just me and my yeah. brother, really, as far as, like, adults you can talk to. And my brother doesn't live here. And so I really took it upon myself to, like, be there as my mom's rock and her counselor and fill in my dad's shoes a lot. and And so she's had a lot of ups and downs of conflicted emotions with her grief. And so it's like colored my grief to a degree where like, I almost feel like moderated and like how I talk about him sometime or I have to acknowledge, I feel like I have to acknowledge that he wasn't all great. Like everybody tends to lionize somebody after death. See that, that happened to me a little bit. I feel like had I not, been on the receiving end of hearing someone else's gripes, I might still be in, I might Mm -hmm. like that diverted me off of my path. And I trust that I'll get back to wherever my path was, Mm -hmm. but that was a lot of, and like, that's totally legitimate. That was their experience of Mm -hmm. him. But it, um, it gave me a lot of stuff that wasn't my personal stuff to like have to sort of make sense of. Totally. It's complicated. It's really complicated. It's like, I expressed that to my mom at one point and, and, and I was like, you could talk to a therapist too. And she's like, I don't believe in that. I don't want to do that. And I'm like, you could talk to your friend. She's like, I just cannot talk to f- people outside the family yeah. of anything negative about your dad. I'm like, and so she's like, but, I, but I'm sorry that that's affecting your grief. I just won't say it to you anymore. I'll just keep it in my own head. And I said, mom, don't do that. I'm happy to, I can, I can take it. I can handle it. And even though I didn't know for sure that I could, mm. I just couldn't, the option to make my mom go through it on her own was not possible for me. And so I just was willing in that instant moment to sacrifice whatever, how much that derails my own process Mm -hmm. or colors it. It doesn't matter. Life's for the living, you know, like the key on my neck says, and, and I want to be there for my mom more importantly than processing my grief about my dad in the exact way I would do it on my own. It's like, you don't live in a vacuum. Nothing's in a vacuum anyway. Mm -hmm. So, but it's been overall, you know, 
hard and sad, but beautiful too. I've had moments of beautiful memories. I had to go through all his papers. I had to go through his whole office. I had to go through, um, I still want to make a better, I have a little shrine in my house to him, but I want to make a better one with all of his memorabilia from his office. He had like a little hall of fame in his office (laughs) and I have kept most of it in suitcases now and I'm going to be finding a spot to put some of it up in my house without making my house look creepy to all outside (laughs) visitors. And, um, and I just, um, yeah, I've gotten to a place where I think about a lot of the positive memories. Seeing his photos at first was very hard because he just seemed so alive in his photos. He like jumped out of these photos. He was only 72 years old, died suddenly. And, um, you know, I have anger also to the hospital because I was out of the country and my mom took him to the ER. He was sick. They said, oh, it's just a stomach virus. And two days later, he drops dead and. And it, what was it? We don't know. We're never, never going to know. Oh, that that's hard. That's really hard. And I, yeah. it's not the way I would have done it. I would, would have loved to have done an autopsy, but my family was against it. And I wasn't going to create a fight in my family right after the death either. And so it was another instant moment I had to like, it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, okay. So another decision point here where I knew yeah. instantly I was going to regret that. I was going to always wonder. It was going to eat at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to have to deal with that because yeah, cause they didn't want to. I'm not going to create a rift in my family right I now. I have heard that people who do opt to do them sometimes regret them because it's like this final like indignity to, at the same time, I would also like that's i would also be like i can't live not yeah. knowing the thing that i regretted is like you know i was going through a lot of trauma unexpected trauma so i wasn't thinking as sharply as i normally do because i'm usually a pretty good debater and i think mm-hmm. of really good points and i just thought of this like a day too late but when my brother and mom said they didn't want to do that and then like a few hours later that night they were like god this burying stuff is so weird and gross like when i died just cremate me and spread my ashes over the ocean and then the other one was like i agree same thing i don't want that but but i wish i'd thought of what i thought of 24 hours later was like wait a minute so you guys think that some poking and prodding and tests on the body is an indignity but incinerating the body holocaust style is totally fine oh my god thank you for saying this yeah okay and if i'd said that on, in the moment i would have convinced them it would have it would have been the piece of information that I could have said to get the autopsy done and i didn't think of it and it's another regret but this is going to a dark place but my dad was cremated um and i have always i've always even though i know like two-thirds of people opt for cremation really yeah um I and like, I know that it's very expensive to bury versus like he. he the other one Neptune. third prefer their dead bodies black. Yeah, not with with no cremation whatsoever. Right, that was a coffee joke. Oh my god, I didn't get it. Now Cre- I get it. It's funny. Cremation versus. No, I get it. Yeah, um, cream. You get it. I get it. I'm with you. Sorry. No, thought. no, it's okay. Um, to me. It's so weird. When I think of cremation, I just think of the Holocaust. Yeah. And that is why I'm yeah. so like creeped out by it. Yeah. It, so it's weird. So we actually on my show has been fun lately. It has not been ex- as dark as I'm making it sound. But there was an episode, a group episode, where we were talking about like, what are your thoughts on being buried versus cremation? And I was like, I, and I'm not saying this is what I want, but just when I think about a more comforting idea – burial is like more comforting to me mm-hmm. um so many people in the room were like i would never want to be buried um to me like cremation releases your soul 
Mm. It's like, I just don't, don't see it that way. For me personally. Yeah. I'm torn. I mean, I've been more opening up to it because I do like the idea of people being able to like get some of it and yeah. spread it different places. And and I don't think the soul is there, even though weirdly, like very weirdly, when I saw my dad, because he died when I was out of the country and I wanted to see the body at the at the funeral before the funeral happened. And it looked, it's this very also weird, creepy, dark thing. But like I'd seen dead bodies before and they always looked like their soul was clearly gone. Mm -hmm. And my dad didn't. It like I still had, looked like himself. I had the same reaction. Really? Is it because it- Like so much so where like I like literally like thought hard and still think back to like almost regretting that I, I wanted to like, when no one was looking, like karate chop him in, in the chest and see if it would like wake him up literally. Yeah. And I like almost regret that I didn't. I'm like, why? Because of societal conventions. I didn't give one last chance to see if my dad could wake up. Like those random stories in India where the person wakes up after three days or right. whatever. And so it's a crazy thought, but you know, these are not normal times. What were you going to say about it? Well, so I had, I had a big debate about whether I wanted to see his body or not. Um, my first instinct was I don't, I don't want to, that sounds scary. I don't think I could handle that. Um, and then I talked to a friend who, uh, her name's Colin Perry. She's been on my show. She like works with death and dying and um, bereavement and grief and things like that. Like he was her. also a great secretary of state, Colin Powell. <laughs> Colin Perry. Yeah. But yes. Same, um, same guy. Mm -hmm. she, she, we talked and she's like, I would just encourage, you know, incur I would encourage you to be open to it. Like something in what I was saying was making her think, I might be someone who where it would be beneficial. Mm -hmm. And ultimately I decided to, and I'm so glad I did. Like it was a very, mm -hmm. a very um, good experience. But in talking to people ahead of time, I heard a lot uh, who like what, what their decision was. I heard a lot of people say that like, there was something about it that they looked at the body and they're, they're like, that's not them. This is just the body. That's not them. And like that offered some closure. But for me, I did not have that experience. I, I didn't wonder if he was alive or not, but it like, for me, it was a chance to say goodbye to my dad. Yeah. Same. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I'm just talking to a body and he's not there. Obviously yeah. I knew he wasn't there, you know, but like, it was really, I'm not even certain. I mean, I really felt like maybe my dad like wanted to stay in his body through the service and like hear yeah. the service or something. And like, I got to like, this is sounds so creepy to even me if I would never have done this if, it, if I wasn't my dad or whatever. But like, I didn't get to say goodbye. I didn't get to know he was going to be passing. And so, and he looked like himself and he looked peaceful, but he looked like himself. It was so wild. And I like, I held his cheek for like. I don't think, I touched my dad's face. Yeah, I touched his, held his cheek for like 45 seconds probably. And then I kissed his forehead. I just. Were you scared to do it? I was a, a little, little bit, bit. Yeah. A little bit. I was like nervous to touch him daniel's like just use the back of your hand first so i like touched the back of of my hand on his forehead and then i i did end up just like you know touching his face and his cheek and i was so relieved that it felt like he still felt like his face yeah it didn't feel like i don't know what i thought i yeah. i didn't think it was past the point of rigor mortis or whatever mm. like it just felt normal cold but normal yeah and then you know on a more positive note my dad, you know, you never know what degree these things are in your head or your coping mechanism or they're real, but I feel as though my dad has come to me many times already. Really? Yeah. Through the, I've always believed that your deceased loved ones can come to you through the wind very easily and it makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. And then through electronics and I know that that's what people say as well. And 
through numbers. My dad loved numbers, but particularly through the wind. Um, and if, and the reasoning why it makes perfect sense to me, and it's another thing I'm trying to develop for, for, the, for the stage, is like people always say, oh, there, our loved ones are up above in heaven looking down. Like if heaven exists, why – why do they have to be above? Well, they have like the worst bird's eye view of anything. <laughs> they can like barely make it. Is that my family or is that a football field? Like right. what? you can't see anything from up there. Yeah. Why wouldn't they be here and invisible? And if you think that's impossible, you, that's ridiculous to think because we have Wi-Fi. We have, right, we have so many hidden yeah. things, invisible, that there's actual video of human beings, f- 4K, perfect HD video, flying by us at all times in the air. And that's in the physical world, figured out by alive humans. If we can figure out how to like transmute and send mm-hmm. like particles that can reconstitute into your phone at a moment's notice with no delay streaming perfect quality and phone lines and this and that and telecommunications and radio waves and all of that but souls that are like already released from the physical world can't fly around instantly and look at this and then go there and then be in africa in a second then be back in the u.s and then be in the doctor stadium it seems perfect sense they could be and like how do you fly and what do you connect to like wind is this like magical invisible ethereal force that you feel but you don't see and it seems to me that i've just had moments with the wind with my grandparents too after they passed and and my dad like even moments with, with, with his humor, like crazy moments. Like after we saw the body, we then went into the family room before the service started. And the, and the rabbi says to us, you know, your father's gone physically, but he'll appear to you in different ways. And right when she says that, the door blows open. <laughs> oh, and I'm wow. like, did you guys see the door blow open? Yeah. And like, the rabbi wasn't even like, he's probably saying it like wrote. And, and, and she was like, almost downplayed. And I'm like, the door blew open right yeah. when you said different ways. Yeah. And we went back to my parents' house after the, funeral and everybody came over and my mom was telling some story towards the back of the living room about you know her life and she mentions you know this other guy took me out years before i met your dad and the back door blows open <laughs> literally like my dad's exact humor and timing going and holding his belt up being like holding his pants up that are falling down being like what you mentioned another guy <laughs> Should I have another guy that quick really like i just felt his humor in that yeah. moment like crazy things and then i was on acid and had a whole conversation with him uh, in the wind for like 10 minutes was that was crazy was the, how how was that for you my friend do you know ali ward she hosts ologies podcast no. um she did like a very deliberate therapeutic high dose of mushrooms which i don't think she had ever done actually mm. um like a she month to hang out in venice more yeah a month after her dad died and it really helped her with her mm. grief. So how was the acid it trip? It was amazing. I mean, I was invited for for a new friend's birthday and it was in Topanga and it was this beautiful of property. Of course it was. And they had this creek there and I walked down the creek with some friends and I just said, I'm just going to stay back and they all walked ahead and, and I'm like laying on a rock in the creek and tripping a little bit, but not too heavily or anything. And all of a sudden the wind picks up and I'm like, dad, is that you? And like he kept hitting this one tree or these two trees above me, like a call and response to my questions. Oh, wow. And so I would say like, dad, is that you? Really, dad, is that you? And I would ask him yes or no questions for like 10 minutes. I was just like in tears. He would straight up answer. I would even double check the answers. Mm. I'd be like, so you think I should do this thing and not the other? Mm. Just a little bit. And I'm like, so double checking, I should do the other thing. 
but not that. Like a spot on, like yeah. it was a conversation. And I'd like to think that was my dad. I even went to a Dodger game. He was the biggest Dodger fan on planet Earth. We went on Father's Day, which was also my birthday this year. Oh, wow. And I was born on Father's Day, too, and it mm. rarely falls. I was born on Mother's Day. Really? Yeah, the whoa, year that I was born. Whoa, crazy. Whoa, that's mm. crazy. Yeah. And so a bunch of my mad ones came. One of my, the most amazing mad ones, Nate, same name as my dad, bought tickets for all of my friends, oh my family, gosh, and fans so nice. to go to a Dodger game. Wow. And we're all there honoring my dad. And the Dodgers lost the game. That doesn't even matter. There's just one player that has his favorite number, 33, Outman. And he kept having signed through this guy, I felt like, since he passed. In the middle of the game, there was like a key play. Dodgers were down. And he hits like this incredible triple that scored a couple runs and gave the Dodgers a chance in the game. And right after that hit, that guy, Nate, my friend Nate, my, my buddy, says, do you guys feel that wind that has hit our face? And all of us felt this like gust of wind in the seats. You don't ever hardly have a gust of wind at Dodger Stadium. It's right. like it's a circle. It's an arena. There's not wind like getting even into it. It's very rare. And we just all were hit in the face right at that moment. Like where everybody was like, whoa, I felt it. I felt it. I felt it. Like, mm -hmm. so who knows? There's no way to prove right. if that's my dad. Um, but I'd like to think it is. I... And, and uh, sorry, one more thing on that yeah. is like, I'm even conflicted about these thoughts too, because something that gives me, gives, has given me a little bit of guilt a few times is I really want to believe these things are my dad, but then it almost feels like selfish or like, am I just believing that to ease my grief? Like, Oh, he's not really gone. He's still mm -hmm. communicating with me. And so it's not as sad. He's in this place. He said he was free up there and he feels free in the wind. And is that like something I'm just selfishly, believing so i don't have to like feel the finality and the deep 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 sadness of him being fully gone but why is that selfish because if it's not evidence-based if it's not true and i'm just thinking it subconsciously somewhere to make it easier on myself and then i'm not honoring my dad by like really grieving him as though he's fully gone mm. is that like something i'm doing just for me instead of keeping grounded to reality and what might be more likely that it's not him. It's a similar thought to when people say like, they're still alive in your heart, in your memory. I'm like, no, they're not. They're alive for me. <laughs> yeah. That's but a little bit, but the person is gone. They don't right. have their own heart and memories anymore. And so, as far as we know. Right. So when people try to make you feel better, like they're, they're always alive in you. They're not, it's called a memory. It's not, they're not alive. So, mm -hmm. and I feel like that those thoughts that are supposed to give you comfort sometimes make me a little bit mad where I'm like, I just don't think that's really true. Yeah, mm -hmm. they they they're not forgotten, but it doesn't mean they're alive. Right. But then right. I, and again, I feel my dad in the wind and I feel like he's alive that way and so yeah. it's all very complicated. Nobody knows the answers. Mm -mm. What's the answers, Allison? Mm, I wish I knew. Um I I have not experienced that kind of stuff with my dad and I want to. Like I am universe. If you're listening, they, the universe listens to my I podcast. Think it does. Yeah, they subscribe. <laughs> the universe is your new best friend. Yes, I am open to all those kind of things. It's um. There's a book you're supposed to read that people tell me you're supposed to read called uh, Science from the Universe. Science from the Universe. Okay, and it specifically yeah. like tells like talks about how you can like tune into that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, a, the, the a tiny bit like. There was this book that my therapist mentioned that I ordered and it was only available used. And the inscription inside was to John, da da da. da. And my whoa, dad's name was John. Whoa. So that did. And I've heard about inscriptions in books. Second really? time I've heard about this in the last oh, week. Oh, really? Yeah. That felt 
significant. Oh. But other than that, there that haven't been. That book that I just mentioned, somebody else on their so- on their social posted about it. They sent it to a lot to a loved one who was going through grief of a recent loved one and somehow amazon sent two copies randomly to another person who then reached out to the person who sent it and said i just lost somebody and oh, the wow. book came addressed to the same name and they received it and it helped them so much like really weird that's weird how what about dreams has he been uh, in your dreams yeah i've had some very crazy ones he's only really been in my dreams in like a very intense way it was more towards the beginning mm. where i just i think because he went so suddenly yeah. i had dreams that he was like alive again but then like in the dream he would like die in front oh, of me God. like he would like would come back all of a sudden he was like back i'm like dad you're back but he wouldn't be able to talk but he'd be like walking around then he would like get weaker in the course of this dream and then all of a sudden like i would, I would like experience him passing a couple of times in my dreams that was very very hard i be- but also maybe gave me a little bit of closure mm-hmm. in some way i got to sort of see it or something i believe or rather my own experience of various types of i've only lost one father but my own but i've i've lost three fathers Really? All, okay. But all three. That's of them five trendy now. Having multiple fathers is trendy. Two boyfriends, three fathers. <laughs> um, my own experience of various types of death is that the su- the sudden ones are harder. Um, hmm. My therapist has said that she thinks that like the the grief is kind of it doesn't matter how the person died they're still just as gone. Mm-hmm. I think having to acclimate to the suddenness Hmm. and the feeling at least when i lost someone suddenly of like i don't trust the world anymore this Mm. is not this is not supposed to happen i feel like it could happen again it's like there's a real being blindsided is really like versus this where it wasn't like I think losing someone to cancer where it's like, okay, they probably only have a couple of days left. That's my sense of how it often goes Mm -hmm. and you can go and you can say goodbye. Like it wasn't that, but at the same time, we knew it. We, for a while we knew losing him wasn't out of the question, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just think that it's just been a much easier adjustment for it to be a little bit of warning. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I that's what I sort of concluded. My mom thinks the opposite. She thinks that it's so hard to see a loved one like slowly deteriorate and see themselves. Oh, that was really hard. I will say, I mean, that 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 was like awful and hard. But in terms of the actual just going from like, for you, like, I'm in Costa Rica. I'm going to go home and see my dad. And then like, just right. boom. Did That's, you even know he had gone to the hospital? No, they didn't tell me because they usually, I used to talk about it every day, but when I go on vacations, they usually don't call yeah. me. They let me like have a full vacation. And so I didn't even know. I literally just got a text from my mom saying, dad is not breathing. And then another text, dad is dead. And I missed those texts. I had fallen asleep. And my mom calls me at one thirty in the oh morning. And I was like, it's one thirty in the morning and I was not fully sober either. And so I was like, is everything okay? And she goes, no, dad is dead. And like with like three words, I had no warning. And all of a sudden my dad was gone. It was really crazy. It was very, very intense. Um, But yeah, I tend to think that it would be just more, I don't know if it's easier or harder, but more cathartic and more like heart centered and like, more like beautiful and powerful to be able to say goodbye yeah. even if there's some pain involved in it mm-hmm. i think it would be better for both sides i kind of think i certainly would prefer to be able to say goodbye and say my last thoughts to mm-hmm. my loved ones and to the world yeah 
rather than just having that yanked away. It seems pretty cruel to me. Um, so that's what I think. But, you know, my dad also, I don't think, would have handled a slow demise well. He always come. I said in my eulogy, yeah. I always commented that he didn't want to be an old man. He would comment to my mom all the time. He'd see like old men with walkers in the mall and be like, I don't ever want to become that. Yeah. And then you said the funny that I laughed at this and she'd be like, oh, that's a real original thought. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but my dad, I guess, really meant it. And he always talked about dropping dead. You know, he said to this girl that I've been seeing um, just three weeks before he died, she came over to my house for like Passover dinner. And, and he said um, to her in the office in his memorabilia office, when I drop dead, they can fight over this stuff. And he would always say to me, like, I, when I drop dead, are you going to feel good about the way this conversation <laughs> went? Like no one talks about dropping dead. Typically. Right. My dad did. Mm. He kind of called his shot, you know? And, but um, you know, people always also say that it's a shame that people's funerals happen after they die. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice to hear all those things? And and I think that's another benefit probably of somebody passing more slowly. But as the universe somehow works, you know, um, you know, I got I I got the last six months of my dad's life. Our fights largely stopped. We still would bicker, mm -hmm. but we wouldn't like have big fights anymore at all. And that's the one thing, by the way, that I also do really credit my ex-fiance for is because one of the things that like, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty even keel person overall, but I think we all have our, our push points. And I grew up in a very tumultuous household. We fought a lot. We screamed a lot. We shouted a lot. And so sometimes when pushed to extremes, I lose my temper. I have in the past. And so when we were in the last six weeks of our relationship working through it, she asked me if I would take an anger management class and I happily did so. Mm. And it changed my relationship to anger. Really? In the, in the now year and a half since, almost year and a half, I completely do not experience anger in that same way. I've not lost my temper to that degree at, at all. I feel completely in control of it, even though it did, wasn't enough, I guess, for her to change her mind. That's the one gift, just luckily I thank her mm -hmm. for, the universe through her for, is that because she asked me to do that the last six months of my dad's life, we got along so much better than we ever did. And we didn't get to you know, say a proper goodbye as he was literally dying, but we had our goodbyes very weirdly. Our last conversation, I think I said this in the LG two right before our last one-on-one -on -one conversation before he passed, he said, I need to tell you where, where my will is. And our last like eight hugs were like goodbye hugs. Mm -hmm. There was something in the air. Mm -hmm. We felt like he knew something was happening. I felt just like extra loving every, he'd walk me out to my car when I would leave dinner at my parents' house and I would just give him like the warmest hug and feel his cheek press against mine and tell him that I love you so much. I just, I love you so much. Thank you for everything. And it was these beautiful moments, like eight different times. Mm -hmm. And then even this level of beautiful goodbye we got to have, he watched uh, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to say, uh, Benicio del Toro's Pinocchio, but that one's a lot harder to understand. <laughs> and he wanted to watch it again with me. Oh. He really wanted to watch it with me. And so my mom and dad and I watched it. I sat in the middle of them on the oh, couch in the so living sweet. room. And crazily, this is pretty uncharacteristic of us, but the very end part of the movie, when Pinocchio's father, Geppetto, dies, I was holding hands with my mom and dad. Oh my God. And when he dies, my dad and I both burst out in tears. 
while holding hands, so just sad. like two months before he died, yeah. making so clear how much love we had between us and how sad it would be when my dad dies and mm. he would have to leave me behind. And that's a goodbye. Yeah, it really is. Oh, that's so sweet and so sad. Yeah, it's, it is interesting how you go back and you think about all those memories at the end and how they take on all this new meaning. Mm. And, it's very intense. It's very intense, but the other thing that gives me any solace, and it's it's a shame that it's at the on on the at the expense of others who sadly lose people much younger. But like even at seventy two, just slightly under the life expectancy of humans, my mom and brother and I consider it very lucky mm -hmm. that we had him for seventy two years. Yeah. I had him for forty five years of my life. Right? There's so many people that I know that somehow get past it and. Or not get over it, but survive. Mm -hmm. And they lost their dads when they were twenty. Yeah, and they were ten. I know, and they were seven. Right. And so it's like, how could I be think it's a tragedy and like the worst thing ever when I got to live into middle age mm -hmm. with my father and be very close with him in a relationship that many said they envied and wish they could yeah. have with their kids that way. When people don't ever get to meet their fathers or they lose them so quickly, and so those are much more tragic. And mm -hmm. you know, people die at some point. And as I've said, is like if you had to you know draw straws of course we'd all prefer a hundred years old but if we had to draw straws of what age we would die and you pulled 72 you wouldn't feel robbed you would be like damn all right i wish i got 90 but yeah. at least i didn't get 20 mm -hmm. at least i didn't get 30 50 60 like right it's a pretty decent draw yeah it's a good run yeah you 89 know, is amazing yeah and really amazing i mean it, yes it it is it that is doesn't make it easier, but right. a little bit maybe it does. You no, know, yeah, it. And also seeing how he was uncomfortable at the end right. and not happy, and right. his the quality of life had diminished so much. And I mean, it actually makes. I'm someone who always is like, I want to live to 110, you know, because I know so many. I don't know if it's like a male podcaster thing. I know plenty of dudes who are like. I don't want to live past 70. I can't stand that. My dad would say the same shit. He like, yeah. wanted to live to 80. I had to argue with him. Can you set your goal at 90 at right. least? And he was like fighting it. Yeah. But like right now I just had like, not to bring up a major like different thought, but like, no, that's fine. but I talked about, you know, in the eulogy also is like our last con, he talked about his, he, towards the very end, last few months, he was really, he had some extra health things that kind of came up and he was really concerned and talking about his impending death all the time where our last dinner together I literally had to say dad can we get through one dinner without talking about your impending death but the really messed up that i just had right now is like instead of saying that sarcastic comment if we had like taken that comment more seriously i might have like gone to one of my really rich friends and said like is my dad thinks something is wrong is there a way you could loan me like three thousand dollars and and we could get that like full body MRI right. and see what's up with my dad and maybe save his life, you know, but also in fairness, that's a little bit of a boy cried wolf situation on his part. Cause if he hadn't he always, always talked it, yeah. about that kind of stuff historically, we would have taken it probably more right. seriously, but like it really just seemed like he was dramatizing, you know, and we're having thoughts that weren't rational, even though he had some health things that came up, but doctors were looking at them and observing it and thought he was okay. Yeah. And so it's like, some point you also can't he saw things through a negative lens oftentimes and you can't just like uproot your life and think oh dad said a negative thing let's go right it's no a, especially like, not if it was a 
pattern. And right. maybe he had some sense, or maybe it actually was just coincidence at right. the end. I don't know. Right. Um, it also, and I'm sure you've already thought this, but like it's possible that they could have done that full body MRI and not seen whatever it was, right? Because it could have been something that popped up. Totally. It probably was. It probably, we started bleeding internally or something yeah. and, and died. Yeah, it's very possible. Totally true. So the doctors didn't have any, they didn't know. No. They said he was a stomach virus. Go home and give him rice and toast for the next few days and, oh, they sent and him he'll home. be fine. Send him home. Oh. And two days later, he collapsed. Mm. So he thought he was fine. He got to watch his Dodgers win on TV. I have a ring camera video of him like four hours before he died, just walking shirtless out in the front <laughs> yard, looking to get in the mail or something. Yeah. Like, he looked tired and groggy and kind of sick, but not on the doorstep of death. Right. You know, but I guess that's how you look when it happens suddenly. So it's crazy. And like, it's a big part of the impetus of why I've lost a bunch of weight recently too. And trying to be healthy is like, he was, you know, overweight, technically obese. Mm -hmm. He didn't exercise rigorously. He didn't eat healthily rigorously. He was okay, but not great and overweight. And I don't want, I want to reduce the odds of that happening to me too, I guess, you know? Yeah. I'd like to be healthy. Plus also girls really like it when you're skinnier. <laughs> Especially For, in Venice. 100%. Right? No, it's like, and, and again, not. Not that skinniness is some great virtue, but you should definitely feel as healthy body-wise as you want to and, and and create the body that you're happiest with. And I was not happy with how I looked mm -hmm. and felt. Um, let's shift gears. Great. Uh, but thank you for sharing all this with me. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Let's do, if you happen day. to have, um, you're welcome. <laughs> do you happen to have a Just Me or Everyone? I do, and and they're not death-themed. My oh. Just Me or Everyone is not death-themed. Amazing. Okay, let's hear a song. Sometimes I ponder on Something I have thought or done Is it just me or everyone? Okay, what is your Just Me or Everyone? Um... When you when somebody asks what your ETA is mm. when you're when you're heading somewhere, and especially if you're a little bit late, do you do what I do, which is I will take off a few minutes because I know I'm gonna usually beat the time the GPS says, so I'd rather not have them be extra disappointed. Right. When I know I'm gonna probably get there a little mm. bit earlier, and even if I end up being there at that time, it's it's an extra three minutes. But now they've adjusted their brain to at least expect me to be a little bit later, and so do you do that? Do you fudge it a little bit with the GPS says? I ha uh if like if I'm late to a dentist appointment, this is literally the only time I've done this. Actually, I'm not sure it's the only time, but if I am like gonna be a little bit late to an appointment, I will call and I'll shave a few minutes off of when I'm gonna be there. Mm -hmm. Because I like I don't know. It's like I'm afraid they're gonna be mad at me if I tell them the truth thing. But right. generally I don't. But I also don't go out very often, so I don't have to do this very often. You must have done it outside there's the dentist. Really just the dentist, the only one you, you are concerned about the time perception. So what you're saying is like, Waze says you're going to get there at 4.29, and you say to them, I'll be there at 4.25? Yeah. Because I don't actually beat GPS. I never Oh, do. I beat it almost every time. But How? I also I just, I just drive faster. Yeah. And take all the, you know, turns and change right. lanes. And um, it, you know, so much of my life exists at my house. I'm really trying to think of like, and then, 
I'm sure I have. I'm sure, and I'm sure you're not the only one. But I don't well, think that, that I do that very often. Okay, I'm curious to see if your listeners do. But how about a variation of it? Okay. And I partly did this with you on the way here because I was late, and you said, "Don't worry about it." I didn't but, mind. Yeah. But um, blame it on traffic, even though, and there is traffic. I, mm-hmm. I never make up there's traffic if there's traffic. But if there is a thick patch of traffic, I'll say traffic's crazy right now. Even though I mean I live in L.A., I should know there's traffic and should factor that in. Right. But I still use traffic as an excuse, and I hope people, and I kind of hope or expect people to like really be like, "Oh, okay, there's traffic. I should be chill about this," even though. It's a pretty reasonable guess there's going to be traffic in a major city. I guess so, but I just assumed like, oh, wow, there must be extra traffic. It felt that way. Like when I said it to you, I was up before the interchange of the next freeway, and it was just barely moving. I was going like 15. Mm-hmm. It was thick as can be, and I didn't know how long that was going to last, and it seemed thick, so it was true to say it. Yeah. But also, you know, a minute later, I went to the next freeway, and it was empty, and I was able to fly, but mm. – I mean, to be honest, you're supposed to be here at 430. I almost got in touch with you like an hour before and said, can we do five? Oh, thank God. Yeah. And then I did. I was like, Allison, get your shit together. Be an adult. Would have been great for me if you weren't an adult and said five. I was scrambling to get here. Well, I tried to reassure you when because I said no rush. Yeah, because it really was fine. Yeah, it really was fine because I had felt like. I thought like maybe I could use, I actually would have been, I actually was ready at 4.30, but when you said initially 4.38, I was like, oh, great. Like nice. I could, I used the extra time, nice. so it was fine. Um, okay, do you have a, hey, go fuck yourself? I do. Let's hear it. And it's Venice related. Venice, oh. Venice people related. I love it. Who are my new, yeah, dearest, your, favorite people. people. But I still can make observations. Mm-hmm. And I think some people take it a little too far. I over, overheard somebody saying the other day, I'm looking for a new apartment. I'm no, sorry. She didn't say that. She said, I'm calling in the perfect apartment. Mm. And I just immediately thought, how about just look for the fucking apartment? Yeah. Not, the universe isn't going to even get involved in everything. Can you handle your apartment search? There's search apps. There's websites. Just search for the exact criteria of apartment you want. Be a little proactive. I'm just calling it in. Huh? I'm just calling in the perfect apartment. You're going to call them perfect lunch? Too? I hope the lunch order comes to me from the universe. <laughs> just choose your favorite food. So there's that. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. That is hilarious. I think I agree with you. Thank you. Save the calling in for hearing from your deceased father. Yes. I'm calling in signs. Yes. But go find your own apartment. 100%. Is Westside Rentals still around? Do you remember oh, them? God, I hope so. <laughs> I do remember them. Um, Ben Glebe, it has been so nice to have you on the show. Same. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, I want to tell everyone that the next virtual show that you're doing at Nowhere Comedy Club. Mm -hmm. Nowherecomedy.com. That's right. It's going to be October 28th. Uh, It's your improv show, Glebe Off the Top, but it's the Halloween Spectacular. Fourth annual Halloween Spectacular. Oh, I got it wrong. Yeah, it's not a Halloween Spectacular I auto-corrected it, yeah. It's a Halloween Spectacular. Got it. And we can smoke during the show together. Your camera and mic are on. It's a small, intimate group. It'll be like 40 to 60 people together hanging out, and you really are part of this mad town that we create in this virtual world. And we hang out. I take questions. We talk. We laugh together. We we. It's in a big studio where I see you on 30 feet of video screen. So it's really a very fun experience for the audience. And I hope you get a ticket. Just go to benglebe.com or nowherecomedy.com and get a ticket and join us. I think you'll really enjoy it. And it will be a lot 
Well, I'm not, we'll not be talking about death. Although it is a Halloween show, so it might be like funny, right? Like spooky funny. costumes and jokes, but nothing. Not like this. Not like this. Not like this downer. No, this. I don't think it was a downer. I think it was beautiful. I think it's the only podcast I've talked about my dad really? passing on. I believe so. Oh, and I think it was really you know interesting because you and I both have gone through the same yeah. experience very recently, and so I really appreciated this chance. I I did too. Thank you. Um. What are your social media things? Throw those out. At Ben Glebe, B-E-N-G-L-E-I-B. I really hope everybody follows me. I'm addicted to it. I spend too much time on it. So you may as well get the benefit of the free content. Three videos, three stand-up videos a week I release um, on all my socials, threads, TikTok, but most mostly Instagram. Mm. And follow me on social media, at Allison Rosen on Twitter and Instagram, the Allison Rosen. That's right. The Allison Rosen on TikTok. Um, subscribe to my YouTube, youtube.com slash Allison Rosen. Ooh, my YouTube, youtube.com slash B Glebe. I'm really climbing their longer form videos there. Do it. Uh, I'm on Patreon. Are you on Patreon? I am. Patreon.com slash Ben Glebe. Lots of fun perks. Intimate hangs, one-on-one hangs. There are your personal letters. You get a Glebe Squad metal membership card. The new cards are coming oh out soon. I have... I have cards too, but they're not metal. Yeah, Where do you get those? Cool. There's a vendor on Etsy. I can give you the info. Yes, please. Yes, please. I After have a- 12 of your listeners, subscribe for mine first because I can't oh. have you poaching that. Yeah, no, I understand. Well, work that I got. Uh, you can get a non-metal card. Maybe, maybe they don't want to have to constantly, you know, worry about it when they're going through airport security. Yeah. Patreon.com. And maybe they want TSA to know about their fandom for me, and they do want airport security stopping them and maybe joining the fandom. So there's two ways to look at that. I guess there is, yes. Uh, The wallet is half full or half empty, depending on how you feel about the card. Patreon.com slash Allison Rosen. And then also my merch store is live. Please go there. People have been sending me pictures of them wearing my merch, and it makes me so happy. And I would like you to make me happy. Uh, So go to AllisonRosen.com and click on the banner that says my merch store is live. There's T-shirts, mugs, all sorts of fun stuff. Um, okay, I guess they can get Mad Ones merch oh, too yeah. at BenGlebe.com. Okay. If you want to be a Mad One, you can. It's not even doesn't even say Ben on a lot of my stuff. It's just Mad Ones gear, and it's yeah. cool. Not not on mine says Allison Rosen. It does not all. Oh, not all of it. Some, Great. Some of it does, but not yeah. all of it. Yeah, depends. Nice to have choices. Know? Some mine does too. This. Could there, there's variety. so many options. So much. Oh my god! I'd love to see somebody wearing a hat of yours and a shirt of mine. You know. Oh my god! Mix it up. A mashup. Mix it up. Yes. Fusion. Hundred percent. Couture. Fusion. Ben. Alison Couture de Luglib. What is that? I don't know. Alison Couture oh, yeah. with my name. I like it. it. It sounded like the beginning of a Jane's Addiction song. Thank That's, you. No one will get that reference. But, Me either. But you rolled with it. Because mm-hmm. you're improv guy. Yes. Listeners, and? thank you for... <laughs> ben, thank you. Thank Listeners, you, thank you for listening. I love you. You matter. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Alison Rosen show? 